Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Chapter 1, as we are going to examine a portion of scripture tonight that I pray will be a blessing to you and to people around you. How many know that we are not just here for ourselves tonight? Have you, have you figured that out yet? I heard somebody say that life, as you get older, you figure out that life's more and more, it's not about you. <laughs> uh, to, uh, to young people in this place, let me give you a word of encouragement. And as you get older, you're going to figure out that it's less and less about you, and then you die. A spoiler alert. But uh, as we get older, look, it's, it's less and less about you. John the Baptist said it well. He said, Lord, less of me and more of you. And tonight, when we understand that, when we begin to realize it's not about me and my comforts and my desires and my purposes, and God, you have placed us on this earth for your kingdom. And by extension, we have been placed on the earth not just to serve God, but in most, for most people, the, the way that we serve God is by serving other people. So I don't, uh, you know, I've run into people before who say, you know, they love Jesus, they're, they're Christian believers, they read the Bible, they have a prayer life, and yet... They have no impact on planet earth for the gospel. I don't buy that. I don't buy it. If you say that you read the Bible, you love Jesus, you pray, you fast, you talk to the Lord, then that should compute out in life. The way that we serve God is not just through personal holiness, but it is through serving other people. Serving the people that are in your house, first of all. Serving your spouse, your children, the people that you care about most. That's where service begins. But you know what? It's easy. Most of the time, it's pretty easy to, to serve those people because they're the closest ones to us. But more than that, I believe God has called us to serve a sinful world around us and to serve His church. So what we're doing here in this place tonight is we are taking advantage of the opportunity that God has given us to serve one another. And as I serve you, and as you serve me, and as everybody serves one another, we'll figure out that we are serving God. Have you ever been to a really nice restaurant that had top-notch service? I, I remember one time somebody got us a, 
a uh, gift certificate to go to Ruth Christ's Steakhouse. Oh, man. I've never been to a highfalutin place like that before. And we got in there and we got sat down to our table. I'm feeling completely out of place. But I figured out what real customer service is like. They had about three or four attendants always watching every table. And if I would take a drink, a couple of drinks, my, just my little glass of ice water there on the table, pretty soon, almost without me even noticing, someone would slip by with a water pitcher, fill it right up. I didn't have to ask. I didn't have to shake the cup. I didn't have to jingle my keys. You know, that's the trick. In a place that has bad service, you've got to jingle the keys like you're going to leave pretty soon. And then they'll come take care of you. If you drop a fork, someone's right there to replace it. Is everything okay, sir? And the, the, the servers, they know if they're being too pushy or not. You know, they can sense. Uh, the, the reason that they get such big tips is that they're, they're, they're uh, sensitive to the needs of their customers. See, good service is a powerful thing, isn't it? Good service, what it does for us is it refreshes us. And you know, if you've ever experienced service like that, do you know how it makes you feel? Man, this place is great. The food wasn't all that good, but man, the service. Wow, I was impressed. And it makes you feel like a million bucks. It makes you feel important. It makes you feel like you want to experience that again. I want to ask you tonight, who are you serving? If you tell me, Pastor, I'm serving the Lord, then you need to be serving one of His servants, one of His people, or even serving the world around us. In our scripture that we're about to read, the Apostle Paul is making a statement about somebody who took the time, effort, and energy to serve Him. And as he's looking back on his life, as he's preparing for the end of his life, he's preparing to go to heaven. He's thinking back about his life and his ministry. And he is thinking back about a specific person. And in this scripture, he mentions the name of this man and how often this man refreshed him. And I want to I pray tonight for a ministry of refreshing Because if I had a prayer request tonight, God, every time I come in contact with somebody, I want to have that ministry of refreshment. I want to refresh people in their spirit. I want them when they're around me to feel like I did at that Ruth Chris Steakhouse. I want to feel like I can serve God and make a difference. Have you ever needed to be refreshed tonight? Of course you have. And what we need in the kingdom of God, what we need in this church, is those who will embrace this ministry of refreshment. Let's read together 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Again, the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. When he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. You know very well 
how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. Once again, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. I'm praying for your people tonight, God, that we would hear your voice through your word. And Lord, that you would stir us up to have a ministry of refreshment and blessing and service. We thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. Tonight, this is a a message I've titled, Cool and Refreshing, because that's what we need to be. And first of all, I want to remind you that there are... Uh, is an unlimited amount of opportunity to refresh people. There is an unlimited amount, unlimited opportunity to, to display a ministry of refreshment. We see it in our scripture, Paul. The Apostle Paul was an incredible man. I've preached many times about him. He has an incredible wealth of knowledge. He has abilities, he has righteousness, he has revelation, he has understanding, he's got a testimony, he's living for God, he's doing right, he's an incredible preacher and church planter, but you know what? Paul was not superhuman. Paul was a human being just like you and just like me. And just like all of us tonight, there was times that he went through in his life that he needed to be refreshed. There was times that he found himself discouraged. I know none of you have ever been discouraged. I know you've always got the victory. And I know I'm lying right now because you all have my phone number. That you and I, we all go through times of discouragement, fear, disappointment. Paul, of course went through times of difficulty and trouble. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to suffer need. In 2 Corinthians 11, he goes through the laundry list of all of the things he suffered five different times. He got 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. Spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Listen, if that was you, you'd be pretty upset too. Don't ever assume tonight that just because you're saved, just because you're right with God, means that every day is going to be perfect, that you're never going to get discouraged, you're never going to have trouble. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to be on the downside. There was people who caused Paul incredible pain. This is what he says in 2 Timothy 1.15, he says, All those in Asia have turned away from me. How would that feel? All those that he had ministered to, all those that he had helped, all those that he had served and preached to, it said they all turned away. He names a couple of names here that I'm not going to try to pronounce. But he names them. He calls them out. And he says, these these people, they hurt me. I was trying to be a blessing to them. They walked away. And in the midst of this letter, as he is pouring out his heart and he's just being honest, he's being real. As he does that, he introduces us to another man who also has a very difficult for us to pronounce name. 
His name is Onesiphorus. He's only mentioned twice in the Bible, both in this same book. But even though he does not appear often, I want to tell you that he had a profound impact on the life of the Apostle Paul. He had toward Paul a ministry of refreshment. Look again at our scripture, verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. Everybody say, often refreshed. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to need somebody to refresh you. There's going to come a time when you're down in the dumps, when you're isolated and separated from people. There's going to come a time like the Apostle Paul, maybe not like him, but he was, you know, naked and chained to a wall in a dungeon somewhere. (laughs) We we don't often have it that bad. But there's be a time in your life when you get down in the dumps. And you're going to need somebody. See, that's why the church is powerful. That's why Lone Ranger Christians aren't going to make it. Because when they get down in the dumps, they have no one to help them up. That's what it says in Proverbs. Woe to him who is alone when he falls, for there is no one to pick him up. Paul had made connections all across Asia. He had made connections with disciples, connections with believers, connections in every city that he made. Listen, I want to tell you tonight, it is critical that you develop relationships in your life. You better have some friends around you. Marriage is powerful because of this. Marriage is a lifelong union. But at the end of the day, marriage is is wonderful because someone is always there to pick you up when you fall. But even if you're not married, no matter who you are or where you are in your life, you better have somebody, a Christian brother or sister, like Onesiphorus, that you can look back on and say, man, when I'm with that person, I feel good. I feel refreshed. Just as Paul is speaking about others who had betrayed him, He remembers this man, Onesiphorus, a man who brought comfort and refreshing to the Apostle Paul. I looked up this this, uh, word in the Greek language where it says that he often refreshed. To refresh, the word is anapsucho, and it means literally to cool off, to cool down. What you feel after a hot day and you got a nice cold glass of water. It's what every Coca-Cola commercial is showing you. It's cool and refreshing. And he says that this man, Onesiphorus, provided to me a ministry of refreshing. When I was going through the heat, when I was feeling the pressure, when I was down in the dumps, Onesiphorus, he came to me, Ah, thank you, brother. Thank you for that ministry. And you know something that's amazing about this ministry? Is Onesiphorus couldn't wave a magic wand to fix every one of Paul's problems, right? It wasn't that Onesiphorus, you know, paid the bail money to get him out of the dungeon. All it was, beloved, was that 
he provided to him a simple ministry, a friendship, a shoulder to cry on, someone to align with him. And that enough, without even changing the situation, was enough to be a blessing to the Apostle Paul. Now listen, in our generation, there's, we have endless opportunities to connect with people. That's a blessing of living in 2019. Right here in your pocket, you have a communication device that can reach across the world in seconds. In seconds. You know, you could send a little message to somebody that is encouraging. It would only take you 30 seconds to say, you know what? You can make it, bro. You can make it, sis. You can do something. You can go forward. You can continue. Listen, you can do that tonight. You can do that for the kingdom. You can be a blessing. You can be a refreshing. You can cool somebody off. Help them to catch their breath. Spirit of revival. I want to remind you that this is exactly what Christ came to do for sinners. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. When Jesus is talking about giving us rest, he's not talking about your couch. He's not talking about making you lazy. He's giving you rest for the issues of your soul. How many of you have felt what it means to have the rest of Jesus? The Holy Spirit that is called our comforter. Right? The mark of Christ living is in you is that it makes life easier for others to share in their burdens. Galatians 6.20 Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Whose burden are you bearing tonight? Whose messed up life are you encouraging tonight? Who is in the heat of the battle? That you have encouraged this week. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, we warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. I want to tell you, if, if we could have even two or three people who would embrace this ministry of refreshment, they could change things. Just a phone call, five minutes. Hey, I've called because I want to know what you're going through so that I can pray for you. I care about you. I want to serve God by serving you. You don't have to pay everyone's bills. You don't have to invite someone to live in your house. You don't have to, you know, pay large amounts of money. No. This is not an expensive ministry. All it is, is the willingness to bear one another's burdens. What kind of effect do you have on people around you? You know, there's basically two kinds of people in the world. Maybe three. There's some people who walk into a room and it seems almost immediately the lights begin to shine brighter. They carry with them a spirit of encouragement. 
a smile that beams on their face, lights up the room, makes everyone feel lighter and happier. There's another kind of person who walks in the room completely unnoticed, like a ghost. Nobody sees them come in. Nobody sees them go out. There's a third kind of person that when they walk in the room, suck the life out right out of it. It's like the Borg. You must assimilate. Which one are you? Are you the person that lights up the room with positivity and refreshing and encouragement? Which one do you think Jesus was? When Jesus walked into a room, when he walked into a situation, don't you think that Jesus brought a spirit of refreshing wherever he went? Sometimes that refreshment means he needed to bring correction. Sometimes it means that he had to, you know, rebuke the Pharisees. But no matter where he was, he was lifting people up and not pushing them down. That's what we need. We need a spirit of refreshing. Onesiphorus had a gift, apparently. And a gift that was specific for the Apostle Paul. So how many know tonight that God has gifted us with spiritual gifts? He has given you, if you're saved, and God gives us these gifts that we are called to use for the kingdom. Some people have a gift of giving. A gift of supernatural faith. A gift of administration and works. A gift of teaching or preaching. But some people have a gift simply of encouragement. I think of Barnabas. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, as it speaks about him in the book of Acts. And wherever he went, Barnabas, he became a blessing. They said, if if there's a church that's in trouble, if there's some people that are discouraged, if they're under persecution and they're full of fear, you know what, we're going to send the Apostle Paul because he's going to teach and preach to them. But we're not going to send Paul alone. We're going to send Barnabas too. You know why? Because wherever Barnabas is, the party goes with him. He lifts people up. He encourages them. He gives them strength just by being with them. A spirit, a ministry of refreshment. Onesiphorus was a guy who had a specific calling. And maybe it was everyone around him. Maybe it could be just the Apostle Paul. But the ministry that Paul witnessed from this man is that it was able to offer him relief from the fiery pressures that were pushing in on him. Listen to the other translations of the specific things Onesiphorus did for the Apostle Paul. It says in the New Living Translation that he often visited and encouraged me. He often visited and encouraged me. Have you done that recently? How about the Amplified Version? He often showed me kindness and ministered to my needs, comforting and reviving and embracing me like fresh air. There's people, I don't know if you heard, but I think it's in New Delhi, in India. They're under, right now, they're under a, a, a severe air pollution warning. Just by stepping outside, it's 20, I think they said it was 20 times 
the, the safe limit of pollution in their air. They step outside and their eyes begin to burn, their lungs. The government has to hand out all of these, uh, these masks just for people to come out. They've had to shut down factories. They've had to outlaw traffic temporarily to try to get the pollution problem under control. Could you imagine living in that environment? Just stepping outside, your eyes begin to sting. Your skin begins to itch. I'm hearing this report on the radio, and I'm thinking, man, I've been to churches like that. Spiritual pollution, bad attitudes, funky hearts, unjudged sin. I said, Lord, don't let that be our church. Don't let me have to give the usher some spiritual masks to hand out at the door. Don't breathe the air. It's toxic in here. I bet those people right now in New Delhi, those millions of people that live there, I bet they're dreaming of climbing up to the top of a mountain so they can... Oh, the air. The air is clean. That's the, that's the spirit, the ministry of refreshment. Paul says that when I'm around this guy, Onesiphorus... He refreshes me. How do people feel when they get around you? I don't know about you, but I'm just being real. There's some people I don't want to be around. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to say any of them are here or not. (laughs) But there are some people I don't want to be around them. Because I feel like slitting my wrists. People who gossip. You know, you, you know, I've noticed something about people who gossip. If they're going to talk bad to my face about somebody else, I'm pretty sure they're going to talk bad about me when I'm not around. It's the mark of a gossip. So if they're gossiping to you, they're probably also gossiping about you. Sucks the life right out of any church. Gossip. Oh, I'm just sharing some prayer requests. Right. There are those who only ever see the negative side of life. There are those who are more interested in the flesh than in the spirit. There are people who get more excited about the world and the things of the world than about the kingdom. Listen, I want to tell you, if you get more excited about the guys wearing jersey on on a Sunday morning, tossing a ball around a field, if you're more excited about that than what Jesus has done for you, you got a problem. And you need to judge it. It'll suck the life right out of your soul. Those who are always talking about what God cannot do, why life is so hard. Those who pronounce bad reports. It's bad, Pastor, and it's always going to be bad. It's always been Debbie Downer. Listen, when you bring that around people, you are creating a greater burden onto the church. And I realize we all go through it. We all get down in the dumps. We all need refreshment. But I pray... I pray, God, when I get to the house of God, don't let me 
cast a burden on somebody else. I want to lift people up. I want to refresh their souls. I want them to breathe the breath of God. I want them to feel refreshed and revived. This name, it's hard to pronounce, Onesiphorus. You know what it means in the Greek language? Such a cool name. It means one who brings profit. A profitable man. A man that when he is around, he brings something. He offers something to the situation. He is profitable. Our natural state, of course, is unprofitable. We know that without God, we do not profit at all. In Romans 3, verse 12, they've all turned aside. They've together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And so tonight, if we are going to become Onesiphorus, if we are going to become those people who can profit spiritually for others, we've got to rise out of our lack of profit. How do we become profitable in the kingdom? How do we become profitable? Well, let's look at some marks of the refresher before we close tonight. Some of the things that the Apostle Paul mentioned about this man, Onesiphorus. The first thing he said was that he is not ashamed of my chain. Apparently, there was quite a few people. And when the Apostle Paul was roaming the earth, preaching the gospel, planting churches, oh, everybody who shouted praises then. But when he was arrested, when he was stripped down, when he was cast into a dungeon and chained to a wall, I mean, no, you, you figure out who your friends are pretty quick. If you've ever been in jail, I, I haven't, thank God. But I, I, I know somebody, I, I work with somebody, He's, he was in jail for nine months of his life. He had a couple of DUIs. He went into jail. And he said, you know something amazing? I'm grateful for that nine months in jail. Because I learned who my real friends are. I learned who are the people that really care about me. I learned who are the ones that came and paid so that I could have some clean underwear while I was in jail. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Onesiphorus, listen, even when I was chained up, he was not ashamed. He was willing to minister to me. He was willing to visit me. He was willing to encourage me, even though it didn't all look good. Oh, we can learn from that tonight. Can you serve people when they still have chains attached? Can you care and love and pray for people who still have some serious problems in their life? You know, I, I, I deal with people. We, we should be willing to deal with people who come into the church and they've got addictions, right? I thank God that there are some people that when the service is over, they go right outside to smoke a cigarette. I'm not grateful that they're smoking cigarettes. I'm grateful that there's people that God is moving in their lives. 
if everybody's perfect in the church and nobody has problems anymore, then we're probably not reaching sinners. If we've got our lives all polished up and there's nobody smoking a cigarette outside and there's nobody struggling to be changed, listen, Paul says, he wasn't ashamed of my chain. I understand, we've got to get free from addictions. New converts have to get free. But that is a mark, beloved, that God is moving. That is a mark. There's still a few people who have a few chains. Listen, we all had some addictions, didn't we? God had to save us from. And there were some people along the way that still loved you, even though you didn't have it together yet. There were some people who still brought you some Bible scriptures, even when you couldn't figure out whether it was Job or Job. There were still few, a few people, when you didn't know the difference between Genesis and Revelation, and spoke encouragement into your life. Paul says he wasn't ashamed of my chain. That is refreshing all by itself. Wait a second. So I don't have to be perfect to serve the Lord? If only perfect people serve the Lord, then nobody would serve the Lord. You can encourage people who still have chains. Secondly, it says that he sought me out. Verse 17, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. Everybody say it together, very zealously. Onesiphorus was determined to find the Apostle Paul. He didn't know. He didn't have a roadmap. He didn't have GPS. He didn't have find my friends on his iPhone. He came to Rome, the biggest city in the world. The most populous, bustling city. Probably had a hundred dungeons across the city. But the Apostle Paul was only in one of them. He had to go on some wild goose chase to find the Apostle Paul. But you know what? He was willing to do so because he cared about him. He sought me out very zealously, and he found me. Oh, I'm telling you, beloved, this is something that we need. This is something that you need in your life. If you had a child that went missing, how zealously would you look for them? Would you say, ah, maybe they'll come home tomorrow? I'm sure they're fine. Oh, no, you would be up night and day. You would be pestering the police office, wouldn't you? You would be blowing up their phones. You would be contacting every agency. You say, get the choppers out. My child is missing. Very zealously. I want to tell you tonight. There's got to be some urgency when it comes to caring for the people around us, serving. See, what we do is we say, oh, I'm sure they're fine. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to impose. I don't want to spill the beans on our brother Austin, but, you know, I was thinking about the service tonight, um, about Mike needs a ride to get to the church. And so Austin lives real close by, so I reached out to him. I said, hey, man, everything all right? Are you going to try to make it to church? He says, no, I'm not going to make it. Just left it. And I could have said to myself, okay, 
Hope everything's okay. See you next Sunday, brother. He'll be fine. But you know, I didn't do that because I care about this brother. I want to see him make it for God. I want to encourage him. I called him on the phone. See, you can't really refresh people through a text message. I just want to remind you of that. You can maybe send a little encouraging word, but real refreshment needs a conversation. I called him on the phone. He's going through a hard time. And you know what? I said, hey, man, I know you're, you're, you're feeling it right now. Let's pray together. Can we pray? He says, please pray for me, Pastor, please. Just prayed right over the phone. Look, I, haven't got, I have not perfected this either. Nobody is, is, is the best at this. But I want to tell you, we as a congregation can be the people who zealously find out those who are suffering. This is a mark of Christ that lives in you. Do you remember the ministry that Jesus proclaimed? He said in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man has come to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 15.4, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after one? which is lost until he finds it. If you're waiting for me as the pastor to tell you to go follow up on somebody, you're going to be waiting for a while. Go find the sick. Go find the imprisoned. Go find the unsaved. Go find the infirmed. Go find those who need encouragement and do something. Finally, marks of the refresher. He's not ashamed of the chains. He seeks out. And here's the good one. Has great reward. Great reward. There are two times in our scripture. Hey, are y'all still with me tonight? There are two times in this scripture when Paul prays for Onesiphorus to receive God's mercy on the day of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you caught this in in the scripture, but in my Bible, the the word day has a capital D on it. The day of the Lord. You know which day he's talking about? He's talking about the day that Jesus Christ returns from heaven. The great second coming of our Lord and Savior. The prayer that Paul is praying for this refreshing man saying, Lord, show him mercy on the day when you come back to destroy sin on the earth. That's a good prayer. That is the greatest blessing and privilege that we could ever experience than to receive God's mercy on the day of judgment. You remember in Matthew 23, when Jesus said, about the weightier matters of the law? Do you know what one of those weightier matters was? Mercy. It allows us to enter into a powerful dimension of God's kingdom. The refreshing soul himself will be refreshed, not by others, but by God himself. Say, Pastor, I've given it all out. There's nothing left to give. I'm at the end of my rope. Listen, for those of you who serve the Lord by serving people, 
God is faithful to fill your cup. He's faithful in the prayer meeting to give you strength. He is faithful in the church service. When nobody else is listening, you'll hear from God. He will refresh your soul. He will refresh you. He will lift you up on wings like eagles. But listen, he doesn't do that for everybody. You know who he does it for? He does it for those who are serving God's people. So what about you tonight? Can we take an example from an obscure character in the New Testament, Onesiphorus, only mentioned a couple of times, and yet his ministry was so powerful that Paul prayed, Lord, grant him mercy. Grant him mercy on that great day when you return. What greater blessing could there be? So what about you tonight? Can we together pray, Lord, I want to be one who has a refreshing ministry. I want to be one that when I step into the room, or when I step before a soul who's in need, I want to be one who encourages and lifts up. I don't want to suck the life out of every place that I go. God, I don't want to be a burden. I want to be one who carries the burdens of others. I want to tell you tonight, we have a church full of people like that. That is an encouraging place to be. I just want to encourage you, brother. No, I just want to encourage you. That would be a great place to serve the Lord, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's bow our heads tonight. Close our eyes as we bring this service to a close. What we need is a ministry of cool and refreshing. When we go through the heat, when we go through the battle, and we all do, when we all have needs, when we're facing financial pressure, the difficulties of life, and we all do, that's why the church exists. I don't understand people. When they go through problems, they say, I can't come to church, Pastor. I can't figure that out. Because when, prob- when I go through problems, you know where I want to be? I want to be in church. I want to hear from God. I want to be encouraged by others. I don't want to isolate myself in time of trouble. Tonight, maybe you found yourself in this place and the the pressure that you're facing is the pressure of sin. Sin presents a whole set of problems, not the least of which is separation from God. Sin is is an infection that is shared by all humanity. We stand before the Lord guilty. But I have good news tonight. Jesus has offered to us a ministry of refreshing. Jesus says, cast your burdens upon me. Cast your cares and your worries. Cast your sin and your burdens upon Him. Jesus, He went to the cross for us. He shed His blood. He gave His body. And listen, if you will put your burden, your sin, by faith, you will put it on Christ. And the Bible says tonight that He will pay the price that you deserve to pay. Well, we deserved. We didn't, Jesus didn't deserve that cross, but we do. And you trust in Him tonight. 
the blessing that Jesus deserved becomes yours. The salvation that Jesus deserved, He won for you. It is applied to your account. Before we close this service, I wonder if there's someone here. You're not right with God, but you want to be. You know that your heart is separated from God. You have an opportunity to hear His voice right now. If that's you, I want to see your hand tonight, unsaved or backslidden. Thank you. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh,